like for us to open up to the Gospel of John together this morning. We're going to be taking a look at a few verses in chapter 20. If you've been hanging with us long enough at Freedom Fellowship, we don't always do a special mom's message on mom's day, but earlier in the year I jotted down this passage of scripture and I just put in my calendar, Landon, preach to your sisters why they need the Holy Spirit in being a mom. And I'm pretty excited to share with you guys this morning. If you're a parent, mom, dad, um, or no parents, I think we're all going to be provoked in ways um, that we just need God in our lives. So why don't we pray once again, and then we'll take a look at this passage. Father, we are again thankful for moms, um, just the blessing that they are. And uh, they need the Holy Spirit. Reality is we all need you, God, so we want to be open This morning, we want ears to hear what your spirit would have to say to the church. We want to be real. God, we don't want to play games, so would you please uh, just open our hearts in ways that we can't reveal things to us that maybe we're blind to. Father, we want to to look to you and your ways because we know they're good. God, we know they're best. And I just really want to encourage my sisters this morning, so would you please, Father, Uh, Just give me clarity of thought and uh, the right words to say. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's take a look here at John chapter 20. We're going to be taking a look at verses 19 to 23 this morning. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, For fear of the Jews, this is right after Jesus was crucified. Now he's risen from the dead. It said Jesus came to him and stood in the midst. Isn't that cool? Okay, he just showed up. And he said to them, peace be with you. Now, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Think about that for a second. Hi, guys, I'm alive. (laughs) Check it out. You know, they crucified me to this tree. There are some scars here. Check out my side. It's really me. I'm really alive. Touch, see. Awesome. So the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. And some of us need that peace this morning. And only God gives. You guys understand, we seek peace. This world is seeking hard after peace. And the peace they're looking for, only God can give. But the sad part is a lot of time they're not willing to go to God to get it. They're willing to go anywhere else but him. And he's only the one that's got that peace. Anyways, it says here, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I also send you. So this is what he's saying to the disciples right after the resurrection. And he said uh, this to them, and then he breathed on them. And then he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So today is Mom's Day, 2019. Okay, And I want to thank all the moms here today for your love, for the way that you nurture, for the training and discipline that you provide to your kids. I also want to offer some encouragement this morning. Why? Because moms today, they need all the help they can get. Amen? We can be a little interactive this morning. Sisters, if you agree, you can say amen. That's awesome. So they need some, uh, someone who understands them, okay, all the things they face, to lend a hand, to provide some support. 
And I'm not talking about the super nanny. How many of you guys have ever seen her? Is she even on the air anymore? No. I didn't think so. I saw one, it was enough. Or a maid, or a grand ma, or a caring friend, or even a helpful husband. I'm sure that the that type of backing in one's mom's life would be a blessing. But there's no mother in her right mind that would turn down assistance and help. But even if a mom has all the assistance, you guys know what? That's still not enough help. You see, for moms need help from the person who Jesus called the comforter or the helper. The one Jesus promised would take uh, up where he had left off. And that's today's message for us this morning. So why moms need the Holy Spirit? Um, I'm glad you guys asked. Being a mom's a tough job. Just to, mm, amen, sisters. Okay, isn't it 24 hours a day? Seven days a week, 365 days a year. There's no vacations, there's no sick days, no, you know, no time, um, downtime, lunch hours, coffee breaks. A mom is saddled with constant concerns. She's always on the clock, she's always on call. Her shift is never over. A mother's days are long and the job demands, they're relentless. So it's been said, there is nothing easy about good mothering. It can be backbreaking, heart-wrenching, and anxiety-producing. And that's just the morning. And even after a job done, a mom doesn't always get the appreciation that she deserves. That's one reason I'm thankful for Mother's Day. A time to pause, to give thanks to our moms. It's a good thing. They deserve it. So there are those days when being a mother is a terrible, thankless task. It reminds me of the speaker who was at a women's conference. Her talk was a woman of excellence, and then she concluded her remarks by going to Proverbs 31. Her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Have you guys read that in Proverbs 31? That's pretty cool. Well, one tired, exasperated young mother turned to her friend and confessed, so far my children just rise up and call me. <laughs> so being a mom's a tough job. And here's one's mom's confession. I read this this week. She titled it, I want to be a bear. Bears get to hibernate. You do nothing for six months but sleep. I could deal with that. Before you hibernate, you're supposed to eat yourself silly. I could deal with that too. If you're a bear, your children are born the size of a walnut and you birth them while you're sleeping. You're awake, or when you awake, they're partially grown, cute, cuddly cubs. I could definitely deal with that. If you're a mama bear, everybody knows you mean business. You swat someone who bothers your cubs uh, if your cubs get out of line, you swap them too. I could deal with that. If you're a mama bear, your mate expects you to wake up growling. He also expects you to have hairy legs and excess body fat. Yep, I'd like to be a bear. I like that. So eventually, guys, our moms, you know, their jobs are tougher than that of a bear's. Um, Mothers definitely need help. 
So once a mom was sick in bed, her daughter was determined to care for her alien mom and bring her a cup of hot tea. The little girl had seen her mom make tea for dad, so she knew how. The girl was so proud to walk up into the bedroom with this cup on a saucer and hand it to mom. She told her mom what she had done. She had boiled the hot water. She dumped in the leaves, but she couldn't find mom's strainer. And she confessed, mom, I couldn't find the strainer. So I used the fly swatter. <laughs> the mom spit a mouthful halfway across the room. The little girl finished, but don't worry, mom. I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old fly swatter. <laughs> so all moms need help, guys. <laughs> but they need the right kind of help. They need that heavenly brand of assistance. They need that spiritual support. Every mom needs the Holy Spirit. So it might surprise you, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what a mom needs. One of the idioms that's used in the Bible for the Spirit is a dove. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of a dove. But, um, what, but this wasn't the first time that God used the, this idiom for the Holy Spirit. If you guys think all the way back to the second verse that we find in our Bibles, in the beginning of God's creation, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. So it seems the Holy Spirit birthed the creation of the earth, that the image, the image there is that of a mother hen incubating eggs and hovering over her chicks. So it's interesting that the dove speaks to motherhood and many biblical terms associated God's spirit are idioms related to uh, that of taking care of children or bearing children. Think about this with me. In John chapter 3, you guys know the scriptures. It was through the Holy Spirit that we might experience what? New birth, right? Hebrews chapter 5 talks about new believers receiving what? The milk of the word. The concern for other people the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts is referred to in Galatians 4.19 as mom's labor pains. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So please don't understand my point here. Okay? God is a he, he's not a she. Okay? Whenever God speaks of himself in the Bible, he does it in masculine terms. He is our father. God is the, Israel, or the husband to Israel. Jesus is the bridegroom of the church. Jesus is God's son. The Bible refers to the Godhead in personal pronouns. He, him, his, right? So God reveals himself in the role of a male to illustrate his interaction with us. So God is to us as a husband is to a wife. So like a male, God plants the seed of his word into our hearts, and like a female receives that seed and nurtures it and ultimately comes to bear fruit. So this is why this gender-neutral gen, uh, gender thing going on um, is not good because when it comes to scriptures, people then want to you know, force that progressive view that we're 
being forced to accept here in our society and bring it to the scriptures. Well, the language in the scriptures to God, it is not only unbiblical, uh, this gender, gender neutral thing, um, but it's just, it, it poses some serious problems when it comes to sound doctrine. Okay, to pray our parent who is in heaven. I've literally heard people say that. Our parent who is in heaven rather than our father. Or we can't no longer call Jesus the son of God. He's just a child of God. That's ridiculous. Um, anyways, enough on that. In scripture, God speaks through the differences of male and female. It is a part of his revelation to mankind. Yet me, Let me repeat it once again. God, the Holy Spirit, is a he and not a she. But having saying that, I can get to my point again, okay? The Holy Spirit reveals to us the tender, that sensitive, that compassionate and comforting motherly side of the Father's nature. I want you guys to take a look up here with me at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female he created them do you guys notice there that both male and female are made in the image of god that's pretty cool so it's the man's maleness or strength in the women's femaleness and sensitivity that really reflect god's image and likeness it's the wholeness of who he is so you could say god is the father with mother's kindness he's tough and he's tender He's gritty, and he's gentle, okay? You guys who know Jesus know God. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Love that about him. So one of my favorite passages that, uh, that we find in the book of Isaiah is, is chapter 49. I want to read to you guys verse 15. You can look up here again. And I'm going to read verse 16 to you guys later, which I was so excited about the last song of worship we did because it totally goes with the last thought of the sermon I prepared for this morning. And we didn't talk about it beforehand. It's just cool that we got to do that. But uh, <clears throat> looking here at Isaiah 49.15, the Lord assures his people, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. So God here illustrates his feeling towards Israel as a nursing mom's care for her child. Her own body forces her to think about her baby. So as soon as a mother nurses uh, her infant, her breasts begin to fill back up with milk. Her body is getting ready for the child's next meal. Her own physiology makes it impossible for a nursing mother to forget her child. But according to Isaiah here, the nursing mom would sooner neglect her feeding child than God would neglect his own people is the point he's getting to. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? I think so. So God is always thinking about us. I think that is cool. So when we're going through those rough times as a parent or a mom, guess what? God knows what's going on. Okay? He cares about us in those times. He's thinking about us. So in essence, what Isaiah is telling us is that even though God is a father, God is a father with a mother's heart. So I suppose you could say that God is a perfect single parent. He combines the strength of a father, the sensitivity of a mother, in the heart of Jesus. Let me tell you what. 
It's beautiful. In uh, Matthew chapter 23, the Lord spoke of his compassion for Israel in these motherly terms. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hens gather her chicks under her wings. So Jesus also broods over his people. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. I'm very excited to preach this passage, by the way, in Matthew 23. You guys know that we're going to finish Matthew, Lord willing, by the end of the year? We'll be back to Matthew next week. Um, So how often, guys, he says there, I wanted to gather you together. I mean, that is his heart, okay? As a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. So when Jesus said the Spirit would be another helper, literally the same kind, similar to himself, I'm sure he was thinking of the tenderness that he shares with the Holy Spirit. So indeed, God is a he, but it doesn't mean that God, the Holy Spirit, can't love us with motherly love. A.B. Simpson said this, Human fatherhood expresses a need which is met in God the Father. Human brotherhood in the closer fellowship of a husband and bride are met in Christ, the Son of God. But human motherhood has its origin in the Holy Spirit. So here's my point this morning. The Holy Spirit understands a mother's needs. I don't. I wish I could pray and sympathize better with you guys. But I know the one who can. And that's where I want to point you this morning, sisters, to encourage you in that. So evidently, as we consider this, God's Spirit can identify with the feelings of a mother. And like a mom, he shares deep concern for his kids. In fact, a mother's maternal instincts originate from God. So this is why moms need the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus took a deep breath and breathed on his disciples, imparting to them, okay, catch it up here. We're back in John 20, verse 22. He includes the believing mom, okay? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. But that was just part of what Jesus said. Let us finish what his statement was. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Some of you guys might be like, why are we trying to tell? This is a hard saying. What does this mean? How does this even tie into motherhood? Well, I'm so glad you guys asked because we're going to go there this morning. If you guys think about how heavy this is, that's authority, right? Are you guys seeing this? This is some heavy-duty authority. So what are the disciples doing retaining and forgiving sins, I think is the first question we have to ask in considering this passage. Well, let me explain what's happening here in the text, and then we'll apply it to parents and particularly to you moms. So in essence, Jesus is assigning his disciples a parenting function in the early church. He's calling them to mother this infant church. It was just birth. And who better to help them with the mothering role than that of the Holy Spirit? So in breathing on the disciples and imparting to them the Holy Spirit, Jesus was ensuring that his initial followers would have what it took to nurture the church. So here in verse 23, Jesus gives uh, his men this special authority okay, uh, that the Jews called binding and loosing. 
Jesus also gave the disciples the same authority a bit earlier in Matthew's account, chapter 18, verse 18, when he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So if we realize, brother and sister, the reality of this binding and loosing were uh, rabbinical terms, they were used by these Jewish rabbis to bind, which meant to prohibit, and to loose, which meant to approve something. So binding and loosing was the authority to raise or lower a standard, to make or lift a rule, in the case of John chapter 20, which we're looking at this morning, to extend and retain forgiveness. And this was the authority needed to lead this newborn church. So understand that it was the responsibility to bind and loose that uh, uh, authorized the first disciples to establish Christian faith in the practices of the first believers. Remember that in the early days of Christianity, lots of thorny issues had to get worked out. Okay, a lot of things were changing. What would be our relationship now between the law and grace? How would uh, we preserve unity between the Jewish people and God's now died for the sins of the world? So now do we do this with the Gentiles, this unity thing? Um, they would have to look at times and the manner of Christian worship would have to be considered. And of these issues, they were uncharted territory, even the precise meaning of communion and what baptism uh, was had to be clarified. And what did a person have to do to actually do to know that God had forgiven them of their sins? So the initial disciples under the guidance of the Holy Spirit were given this authority to answer these questions and to set uh, these examples uh, for these first Christians. And it's very interesting, the questions, the quandaries facing the disciples are many of the same challenges that new parents, think about it, that they have to go through, and moms especially have to figure out. How do I set rules and standards for my kids to show, still show them my love? How do I teach them to get along with others that are different from who they are? What are daily routines? What are family traditions look like for us how are we going to make our times at the dinner table um, beneficial how do we commune together how do we make that meaningful and when my child disobeys how and when do i extend forgiveness so these are all questions that a mom needs to answer if she's going to keep her family on track so like the first disciples, she has also been entrusted with some awesome responsibility. And she needs the help and she needs the guidance of God himself, the Holy Spirit, uh, to carry those things out. So what we try to do in teaching our kids, you know, we've had to teach them by giving them boundaries. You know, it's been one of the biggest things having little kids, boundaries were needed. They needed limitations. But when we go on a vacation, especially camping, um, it's a whole nother world. Each kid uh, needs a parent to interpret what's right and what's wrong for them, especially when it comes to, hey, we're camping and there's a lake right there. And I got little bitty children, you know. Now what we do with that, we have to start binding and loosing. I'd say my oldest, Uriah, okay, hey buddy, 
you can swim pretty well. You've been taking lessons for quite a while. You can go out on that paddle boat all by yourself. Have a blast, okay? You don't even need a life jacket because you can swim pretty darn good. But then there's little Phineas who thinks he can swim just as good as his big brother. But if you put him in the middle of the lake, he would drown to death, okay? He can't swim that well. So guess what his limitations are? Buddy, if you're going to go out into the deep part of the lake, you have a life jacket on all the time. Even if you're on the board that floats for you, you still need a life jacket, buddy. So it's different than older brother. And then there's the youngest, Shalom. She's a little adventurous. Let me tell you what. When we're camping, she's the first one in the lake, and she's the last one to get out of the lake. And that's hard having a little bitty always in the water because what are the limitations there? You don't go in the water unless someone is right there with you, you know, right there. No way you're left alone ever. So you guys understand that it always looks a little different depending on the child, okay? Um, I want to unpack this a little bit. Um, when we go camping, upon arriving, uh, my first thoughts aren't like, oh, get the tent right up. My first thought the second we get there is I need to set limits for the kids, okay? We got to set down the ground rules right now <laughs> before we do anything. And it's always suitable to their gender, their age, their maturity, their personality, and of course their swimming abilities. So that's not to say that rules aren't subjective. To the contrary, there are universal standards that apply to all my kids. And when we go camping, there are campground rules. And guess what? The Churchill family has to adhere to the rules that are set there too. So there's even more standards that are given. Um, and for my kids, in those first few minutes after we arrive, is we take those rules, we apply them wisely to the situation that is at hand. So my kids need a parent to help them sort through these rules to make the most immediate applications. So I would ask you guys, we're going camping in two weeks, pray for the Churchill family <laughs> uh, in that. Um, but the parent's job, okay, whether at the campground or wherever, is to take the rules, the family rules, the moral rules, common sense rules. Can we call those some rules too? Okay, do you guys ever pray that for your kids? Yeah, kids are just kids. Sometimes it just comes with age. But it's good to set down those expectations and wisely put them together and give specific instructions for each child on that day. So if it's rainy, well, then we have to alter things. Some of those rules aren't going to go. Things are going to change. If the sun is out and blistering, it means we're going to have to take more breaks during the day because guess what? You need more sunscreen. There's just certain things that we have to do. And when they're younger... Okay, we had to be tighter and more binding with our kids. Now, uh, there are not all the time now because they're growing up a little bit. Okay, uh, I enjoy not having to go to the bathroom for the upteenth time during the day. You guys ever remember that with little kids camping? Yeah, they always had to go to the bathroom. It's like we're just sitting down to eat. <laughs> you gotta go now. <laughs> you know? um, anyways. It is good. As they get older, you get to loosen things up a bit. So a parent loves his or her kids and instructs them accordingly. Now, this is the fine art of being a parent. So what's appropriate for one child at one age 
in one environment may not be appropriate in two years from now and in a different situation altogether. So enjoying camping requires that we do some binding and loosing. And this is what a mom does every single day. Why are we talking about this? Because this is life, guys. This is what moms do. A mom is always somewhere in the process of either letting out some rope and giving their kids opportunities to learn, or she's pulling them back in, okay, and tightening the screws on her kid. And the binding him or her to stricter rules and discipline if needed. So this is why parenting, especially being mom, takes great sensitivity. You need spiritual insight into the heart of your child because that's really what's, <laughs> what the issues are. What is the state of their heart? Okay, um, And in doing that, guys, we need heavenly wisdom. So a good mom is in that place of seeing her need of God's help, need of the Holy Spirit. So if you use a litany of rules to control your child um, and you never give him or her freedom or shelter them from childish mistakes, then you stifle that child and you keep him or her from turning your values into their own one day. But then on the other hand, if a parent doesn't have the courage to, impo to impose rules, the child will never learn to delay desire and to be able to say no to certain behaviors. So a child who doesn't have boundaries is destined for destruction. So a child needs freedom. Let me say that again. A child needs freedom, but with limits. There has to be limits. And God means of teaching a child is really this balance that he's given to parents. He's calling us to do this. So a mom has to know when to turn a child loose and when they need to be reeled back in. Kind of reminds me of that song that Kenny Rogers used to sing, you need to know when to hold them, you need to know when to fold them. Just, you just need to know what's needed right now. How many of you guys have heard of the term helicopter mom? A few guys. Oh, good. I thought maybe I was the only one. This is a mom who's catering, hovering, brooding over her kids all the time. She's always rescuing them from their own mistakes. Since her success is wrapped up in her kids, she does whatever it takes to help her kids avoid failure. So God forbid that they have to go without lunch one day. You see, mom, your child won't learn responsibility when you're always bailing them out of poor choices. A child doesn't need a helicopter mom. He or she needs a mom empowered by the dove, okay, the Holy Spirit. And he'll give a mom wisdom to help her kids make their own decisions. And he'll even help the mother forgive her kids when they fail. Let's consider for a moment the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament, the questions facing the early church would have been very easy to answer. The Hebrews lived by the law. Their society was Jews only. Okay, Forget the Gentiles. Exact times of worship were spelled out in advance for them. Jewish rituals were always uh, by the book. And everyone knew when that person's sins uh, were forgiven. They could see the sacrifice that was made and burning right before them. 
So the Old Testament, God, or in the Old Testament, God answered all his people's questions through a system of these rules and these rituals. Moses laid down the law. Okay, there was no need for sensitivity. There was no expectations, uh, just rigid adherence to what had been written in black and white. This is just what we do. You lived by the code. There was no ambiguity under the law, no room for personal discernment, no need for individual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Life was one size. Hey, it fits all. It works for all. But the problem with the law of Moses was it didn't produce loyal and loving kids. Under the Old Testament law, what did the Jews do? They rebelled. The children of Israel were incorrigible kids. They refused to obey their heavenly father over and over again. And this is what I find happens when parents only lay down the law when they devise a rigid set of rules with very little wiggle room, okay, to adapt the rules to their children's development and the child never gets a taste of freedom. He or she doesn't know how to be wise, how to make decisions on their own. Thus, the first time a child gets out from underneath mom's apron strings, when they get their car for the first time or they go off to college, kid just ends up running wild. So mom, God has called you to mother, not to smother your child. And to do this, you need discernment. You need sensitivity. You need flexibility, which all require the Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting when God started over in the New Testament, rather than laying down law, he instituted a different approach that through his son Jesus, God breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So rather than write his will down on stones, Jesus wrote his law on the hearts of his disciples. So the Lord put his spirit, his nature within them. The disciples then led the church as they were led by the spirit. No longer would God's people be governed by rules and rituals. From now on, they were led by the Holy Spirit through the confirmation of those initial disciples. So the law, guys, uh, the law smothers us and the Holy Spirit mothers us. Does that make sense? Are you guys seeing what I'm trying to get at here? Is this making sense? Oh, good. So this, guys, he, God, births in us a desire to follow God and to love others. He does that. Okay? That's not a natural thing for us human beings. We're very selfish. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Okay? In 2 Corinthians, you can jot down chapter 3, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Uh, Paul tells us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What? Yeah. If there's true freedom, that's where the Spirit of the Lord's going to be. And the Holy Spirit uses that liberty, that freedom to grow us. And also he uses it to teach us. So rather than one size fits all, the Spirit leads us uh, intimately and individually, the love Jesus communicates through the touch of his spirit causes us to love the Father all the more. So when Jesus breathed on his disciples and imparted to them the Holy Spirit, he was weaning them off the law. We're moving away from the law. Okay, it's time to grow up. Okay, I'm giving you the spirit. Okay, he will lead you. He will guide you. 
He no longer wanted his people to be trapped in legalism. So rather than this robotic obedience, Jesus' disciples were to listen to him, to lean on him through the person of the Holy Spirit. Then those first disciples were to teach believers in the future, hey, you guys do the same thing. This is how we're rolling in the church now. This is what Jesus has done. This is the gift he's given to us. And this, guys, is the job a mother in her life really has in her life for her kids. So, Mom, your job is to lead your children by listening to the Holy Spirit's specific prescription for what they need at each turn in their growth and their development. Okay? For you who have more than one kid, would you guys testify your kids are radically different? They need different things? Absolutely. You see, and in that process, we get to teach the children then how to listen to the Spirit themselves. And I think that's the biggest thing we can do, moms and dads. Teach your kids what that looks like. So here's the point. The difference between mothering and smothering, it is the Holy Spirit. So the responsibility then of the risen Lord, okay? Uh, Jesus gave his 11 disciples in that upper room. It was strategic. This is huge. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for mankind's forgiveness. But once that price was paid, it was then up to Jesus' disciples to dispense forgiveness. So in the beginning of the church, new Christians had to be led. Repentant people, they were convicted by their sin or by, by the Holy Spirit of their sin. And then they were pointed to Jesus and all that he had done for them. But what was their part? What were they to do what were they supposed to say and pray how do you receive god's forgiveness it was the disciples role to sort it out for the church and this is why jesus told them in verse 23 if you forgive sins of any that's the next one there it is if you forgive sins of any they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained so I don't want you guys to misunderstand this. Nowhere in the Bible is any human given the authority to forgive sins. Okay, Not a priest in a confessional booth. Not a pastor in an altar. Not even the Pope. Nowhere in the Bible does it say a human being can do that. Forgiveness comes only from heaven. But in the process, and this is what I want you guys to catch, in the process of witnessing to someone Jesus gives us, his followers, a responsibility of setting the terms of salvation and providing some closure. Based on a person's response, it's our job uh, to know where they stand afterwards. I can provide assurance to someone, and I can prevent a false sense of security too. And we don't want to do that. We want to be truthful in love. So I've prayed with people when I've sensed that there was true repentance there, a true turning to Jesus, a brokenness over their sin, a real confession made, I've prayed with them, God, thank you that my friend is now forgiven, that heaven is set before them, that you've given them eternal life. But I've also prayed with those people, or not prayed with them, but spoke to those people who I've shared the gospel with, and they're just close. They want nothing to do it. You know, they're saying some things in their own opinions and in their own thoughts. And I'm just like, you're a hypocrite. 
This ain't right. This ain't true. You're lying. You're denying what God has declared. You have no forgiveness of sins. And until you repent and get on the same page with God, you're never going to be forgiven of your sin. That's hard to say, but I don't want to lie to a person. Oh, <laughs> at least you have some type of faith. At least you're trying. At least you're being a good person or you're doing what you know is right or this was the way you were raised and you're just trying your best. You're good then. I can't, that's just lying. That doesn't help anybody come to faith, to saving faith, to forgiveness of sins. We gotta be real with people. Um, so you guys understand what I'm trying to get at here? And I believe this is what Jesus was saying to them. The power to confirm the person's forgiveness or to keep them from contemplating uh, their still guilty heart. Okay, We get to confirm that with people. So as a parent, particularly as a mom, uh, I believe this is the most important task that we can perform with our kids. So when your boy or girl's a little tyke or he or she knows that they've done wrong and they're truly sorry for their sin, mom, don't miss that opportunity to kneel down with your child and with them ask for God's forgiveness. Those are precious opportunities. And once they've prayed sincerely, don't leave them hanging. Man, sweep up those little guys in your arms, okay? And celebrate. It's a new start. It's over. You're forgiven. We're moving on. It's done. Because isn't that what God does with us? You know? And I think that's good for us to do. And rejoice in that. And, you know, that God loves us. That he cleanses us. So let your little ones know that they're still loved and valued, both by God and by their mother. So, let me ask you, how can a child believe God has forgiven their sins if his own mom can't and won't communicate her acceptance when that time comes? They're watching us, guys. Earlier, I told you guys that we look at Isaiah 49 again. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. But I told you we we're also going to read the next verse. In verse 16, check this out. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. What? Who's speaking here? God. When did God inscribe you on the palms of his hands? So just as, a, just as busy as moms might be, okay, um, yeah, we can write down lists um, maybe on the back of our hand. I got to pick up so-and-so at 5 o'clock and I have to pick up so-and-so at 5.15. <laughs> you don't want to forget whatever it might be. Um, we do the same. Why? Because we love, we care. I want to make sure that I'm there for my kid. God's done the same thing. He's inscribed us upon the palm of his hands. And I want you guys to notice the context of John chapter 20. In verse 20, we're told, Jesus showed them his hands. Isn't that cool to think about? Jesus showed up. Hey, look. <laughs> look. He displayed his scars in his hands, and those scars were proof of his love. Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were still enemies, Christ died for us, guys. So he showed its proof. But I wonder if what they saw when they looked, as Isaiah says here, God's inscribed you on the palm of his hands 
to assure uh, his men that they had been forgiven. You know, maybe the disciples saw their own names there. I don't know, you know. Just like looking, oh, there's my name right there. He died for me. So I'm certain of this. The disciples left that upper room that day very confident that their sins had been blotted out. They were forgiven. They knew that. So that upper room where Jesus assured his disciples that they'd been forgiven, and then he gave them the responsibility for doing the same with thousands and thousands of sinners who would also believe. So a mom tucks her kids into bed at night. She helps them with their homework. She prepares meals. Mom shuttles them to practice. Later in life, she'll help them with thousands of things in thousands of different ways. But a mother's most vital role in her children's lives is to fully represent God. So mom, if you forgive the sins of any and are forgiven them, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So a mother's love is unconditional. Think about some of the stuff we put our moms through. They still just love us, don't they? That's a mom. They just love us. Okay? So, more than anything else in the lives of our moms, okay, they have the right to announce God's forgiveness or to remind us of our guilt. So, she's a lady who brought us into the world and she knows us better than anyone else. Our mom can speak into our lives in ways that nobody else can. So, whenever a person repents you can bet his or her mom will be the first to celebrate that forgiveness but if they remain in a state of rebellion and don't learn a lesson a good mom won't let that child off the hook a godly mom is willing to exercise some tough love and if you see no repentance and your child isn't willing to change then their guilt needs to be retained so mothers shouldn't be pushovers no mom needs a mamby, bamby, pampy, I don't know if that's a word, mom. That's not what kids need. It's not uh, love to let your kids get away with bloody murder. That's not love, okay? Then defend them when they're obviously guilty. That's doing an injustice. Real love forgives, but it also makes a child pay for the window they broke, right? Real love forgives, after the child goes next door and apologizes for that broken window. Real love forgives, but it refuses to support destructive lifestyle. Real love, though it's difficult, retains a person's sins on earth until the sins are forgiven in heaven. So a mother's love never gives up on her kids. I can disappoint my mom. I can bring shame to my mom. I can break my mom's heart. Um, but I am certain that I will never be able to stop my mom from loving me. Sure of that. But I would imagine that you guys probably feel the same about your moms. Yet, I'm certain my mom's love will always tell me the truth. Though she loves me no matter what, I know she'll never agree with me or approve of me if I choose to live in blatant sin. She's going to say something. She's going to call me out if I embrace that falsehood. So at times, it's hard to be a mom. Most moms would rather comfort their children than have to confront their children. 
But a Christian mom stands not only for love, but also for truth. That's a Christian mother. So when Jesus breathes on a mom and says, receive the Holy Spirit, he gives to her the strength of God, the love of God, and also the courage of God with the compassion of God and the wisdom of God and everything else that a mother needs in needing to represent Jesus to her children. So good mom mothers her kids. She doesn't smother her kids. And that takes courage. It takes a whole lot of wisdom and it takes sensitivity. And that's why moms need the Holy Spirit. So moms, this morning... I want you to open up your heart and I challenge you to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. I want to pray with you guys as we close this morning that Jesus would breathe upon you, impart a refreshing, refilling of the Holy Spirit, his empowerment, because you're needy, okay? And he's willing. That's the one thing I know about our God. Uh, So let's pray. Sound good? All right, Father, we are thankful. We are thankful that you are there. We're thankful that you got what we need. Father, every mom uh, is in need of so much, Lord. What a great responsibility that you've given uh, to moms to raise kids. No matter what season of life a mom may be in, you never stop being a mom. And we're so thankful for each and every uh, mom here. We pray that you would bless them and give them of your Holy Spirit. God, give them all that they need. Father, your wisdom, Lord, discernment. God, you've already given them so much love in their hearts, Lord. Uh, I just pray that you'd even give them more, God. Let them know how much they're loved by you. So we're thankful, God, that you are willing and able to do. And I do pray for all of us, parent or not. God, we're all in need of your help every single day. And we are so thankful, Jesus, that you offer your spirit to anyone, Lord, that will ask. So we're here this morning. We're seeing our need, and we're asking of you, Jesus. And we thank you so much that you are so good, that you are so giving, that you are the perfect parent, whether a mom or a dad, um, a child. Lord, we get to look from you. We get to learn from you. You are so good to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.